0: Shall we get going? Yes, Okay. We shall. Hello, and welcome to
1: the Sick Girl Missives. I'm Jillian. And I'm Jillian. We're both Jillians. And we've both teamed up for this little audio project in the hopes of exploring some big ideas. Particularly ideas around illness, as we are both sick. But also about the other big and small things that can happen to a person.
0: Basically, the idea is that we write letters to each other.
1: Last week, I read my letter about the idea of, oh, we forgot to change.
0: <laughs> we forgot to change. Last week, I read my letter. That's what <laughs> happened last week
1: about fear. fear. So, uh, I'll, yeah, last week, Jillian read her letter <laughs> about the idea of fear. And this week, you're going, oh. <sighs> And this week,
0: you're going to read a letter inspired by a word-phrase or idea that showed up in my
1: letter. Anything else that people should know? Well, you're American. And you're Canadian. And yesterday was your birthday. Heck yeah, it was. <laughs> and you're wearing your high school sweatpants.
0: Yeah, that's, that's the energy I'm bringing today. And people need to know that about me.
1: Yes, they do. hmm okay. Well... That's about it. Let's start the show. Dear Jillian, I'm supposed to be writing you a letter on gardening. Yes, gardening. You see, gardening is a great metaphor. Growth, death, rebirth, acts of service. Just about any idea on the human condition you need to explain can be explained using a garden with very little effort. Such a metaphor is bountiful, if you will. Yet today, like many days, my brain is working against me. I have been swallowed by the fog. Yes, the fog. I'm in bed. I am in my favorite chair. I'm in my desk chair, which probably isn't even my third favorite chair in the house. I'm staring at my notebook. I'm staring at the wall. I'm staring everywhere, but at my computer screen. I am in sweats. I'm wrapped in a blanket. I'm not wearing pants. I am in my bedroom. I am in the living room. I am sitting at the dining room table. I track my progress, or lack thereof, by the feel of the floor on the bottoms of bare feet. Tile to wood, wood to tile, tile to wood to cement. My feet are freezing. Why am I outside? Normally, if asked, I would say I love fog. There is something both eerie and romantic about a blanket of dimly-lit mist. Maybe enchanting? Is that the word I'm looking for? Its name doesn't really do it justice, really. I've opened the front door on more than one occasion when the moon is full and the conditions just right to be gifted a swirling, twinkling, low cloud that hovers oh so slightly above dew-sprinkled grass. I have stood, lonesome and reverent, on the peaks of mountains, the valleys below So filled with fog, they were more moat than valleys, the mountains more castle than rock. I have also driven down these mountains, believing I would die because fog lights are bullshit and mountain roads are only ever crooked, never straight, and named things like Dead Man's Curve and Devil's Den. And for some reason, we think it's okay for tractor trailers to drive these roads that cars can barely navigate. Here, fog is not so enchanting. It's not the same magic that blankets moors that rolls in on rivers or off the coast of seas. It is a cloak hiding the dagger. However, brain fog is different. It is neither enchanting, nor is it a mysterious portent of danger. It is annoying and thick. It covers the world up to your eyes and swallows your hands stretched out in front of you. It is brain smog, brain bog, filled with brain frogs that clog up brain cogs. Sometimes I forget words. They're not on the tip of my tongue. They are gone. When I don't forget words, I repeat words words. I mash words together. I flip them around. To this day, lawn lower sounds more correct to me than lawn mower ever will. I ramble a lot, a lot, a lot. I forget my point the way I forget what it is I'm looking for when I walk out of the room. I let the dog out at night. I lock the door, first the top, then the bottom. I jiggle the handle. I climb back in bed. I didn't lock the door. I did lock the door. I jiggle the handle again, just to be sure. I jiggle the handle so much. My father thinks I'm an intruder trying to break in. Brain fog is quiet and sneaky, but when it rolls in, I do not stop in wonder or silent appreciation. I do not wade into the liquid smoke that stops just below my knees. Things are clear and then they are not. My doctor sends me for lab work. I forget the lab work. I forget the lab work for three months. It didn't slip my mind. I wake up every morning for three months and remind myself today is the day for lab work. At night, I crawl into bed only to realize I didn't get my labs done. Words are German, not all words, but some words, some days I swear are German. I pick up a booklet full of instructions written in English and flip to page one. I can't read this. It's in German, but it's not. I tell myself it's in English and we know English, right? We do know English, but this is in German and we don't know German. The words are German until they are not, at which point they're English. My head starts to ring. Was that brain fog or was that a seizure? I know it's a seizure, but I say that it's not because I haven't finished assembling my bike. So for now, it's just brain fog. What was I doing? Right. Gardening. As it has previously been established, I love dirt. I think it has to do with its naturally grounding properties. But There is something truly special about digging your toes and fingers into the earth on a quiet morning and just taking a deep breath in. It is to be caught in a certain slant of light. Things are different there. I grew up in the dirt as I grew up in gardens. Regrettably, it would be a lie for me to say I have always appreciated them. It took me years to understand the value of the work gardens ask of us. While I could recognize dirt and the freedom a young girl finds alone in her woods climbing on rocks, for years my father's row of corn and peas, peppers and okra, tomatoes and potatoes made me feel like an outsider and reminded me of labor performed most often in the hottest days of summer. In fact, I disliked the act of gardening so much as a child. The irony of my BGPGSAJ big girl post-grad school adult job being on a teaching farm tickled my dad. I think he's still laughing. It took me a hot minute to feel comfortable in a garden that wasn't my family's. Like I needed the garden to know I was more humble now. I was there for what she had to teach me and I wouldn't traipse barefoot through her rose without her permission. It was a time in my life I was learning to let myself want things, but I hadn't yet learned how to allow myself to have them. Honestly, that's something I still struggle with, but I think this growing season may finally be the season I learn it's okay to accept the things we've earned, the things we've been given and the delightful surprises we never saw coming. If I can accept my weeds, why is it so hard to accept my fruit? In a garden, all big things about the world are made small and all seemingly small things loom large. When plopped in the dirt, you can't help but realize just how big a mushroom cap is to an ant. And when the ant is in focus, so is the beetle, the bee, the worm, the sand and the soil, the morning light, the afternoon light, and how the two actually aren't the same. In a garden, things work together. The tomato plant houses the ladybug who protects the plants from aphids. Last year, I didn't see a single ladybug in our garden and our tomatoes struggled all season. The storm that rattles your walls produces lightning which creates nitrogen oxide our dear green friends absorb. Nitrogen is a key ingredient found in fertilizer. If you've ever noticed how much brighter, more vibrant a tree or the grass seems after a storm, this is why. Storms can be destructive, but I believe storms can be opportunities. In a garden, some soils need more work than others. Some plots need more patience. But that doesn't mean they can't grow exactly what you need with a little time and a little love. Sometimes my soil is good. I require a little work and fill my role naturally. Sometimes my soil is rocky and dry. I am not immediately ready for planting. I am learning that in a garden work is not about being productive and I am not a producer. I am a living thing living amongst other living things. My work is life-giving and joy-bringing and in my life-giving joy-bringing efforts I've produced fruit. Fruit I share openly with those around me but I am just now learning to share with myself because again Allowing yourself to want something is sadly not the same as allowing yourself to have something. But this season, I will work, never toil. I will show up for my garden. I will show up for myself. I will reap what I sow and I will go home with a bushel just for me. And when the fog rolls in, he will roll over flowers through blackberry bushes and settle above fresh clover. His uncanny force will not stir me For fog in a garden will not work against me. Love always, Jillian.
0: Oh, so lovely. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, just really wonderful. Um, Thank you. I felt like I was standing in a garden, even though I'm looking out at very snow-covered trees. (laughs)
1: Oh, that's what I was going for. Yeah, well, it worked, it worked that means a lot to hear you
0: say that (laughs) for sure thanks for the trip I enjoyed it (laughs) (laughs) there's two distinct things happening in this piece and I do think that they work together but the fog really it comes in comes in (laughs) like fog does um and kind of takes over for a moment and I thought you took us with you into your fog so yeah, it, it sounds like such a disorienting experience. How do you kind of coach yourself through it? Is there a part of yourself that's like, okay, I'm going to lead the rest <laughs> of me through this. I know what's happening. Or are you just in a state of disorientation?
1: There is definitely a recognition for what's happening, but depending on how bad it is, there's not necessarily an ability to climb your way out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, It's almost more like an experience that you just have to allow to happen. Mm -hmm.
0: Do you feel like you're good at surrendering?
1: I think I've gotten better at it this last year because I haven't had a choice but to surrender to the fog. I've had to learn how to step back and admit that things aren't great at a moment and I have to kind of let that control go. Mm -hmm. I know with um, Crohn's that brain fog can be common, but is that something that you've ever had to experience? I don't
0: think so. I think it's, it's funny. I was thinking about this today because sometimes, and this has happened for a long time, like before I even had my diagnosis, but I get hit by just like a wave of pure fatigue and I just Mm. feel like I can't do anything, um, Mm -hmm. but just kind of lie down. And I, I always, and still to this day, sometimes get down on myself for that. Like, it's like, I feel like I'm being lazy, um, because yeah, I chalk it up to like a character flaw, (laughs) um, (laughs) And then I was thinking today, I was like, I wonder if that is gross. I bet it is.
1: (laughs) I, I no doubt 100%. Like I, I think when your body is sick, that is one of the first ways that your body tells you just how sick it is.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, have you had this experience of not realizing that what you're experiencing is a symptom?
1: I remember the day that I found out I was having seizures and by this point, while I was at work, I was not managing my job very well at all. And that was so frustrating to me because I, I couldn't understand why I wasn't doing a good job. You know, like there was the fatigue, there was the, the chronic pain that I was dealing with. You know, there was the stuff that I knew about, but I couldn't understand why my emotions were so out of whack. And I couldn't understand why it was hard to focus. So that was such a liberating experience to realize that that was not a character flaw. That wasn't the case at all. It was, oh, hey, you've had an untreated seizure disorder for at least the last 10 years. And it's coming to a head now.
0: That's one of those things with most diagnoses, I think, where it's like the relief of knowing. Mm -hmm. It explains so much uh-huh. and then it's also like oh I have to deal with this now <laughs> you know it's possible I'm just um, forcing a comparison here because I like this part of your letter so much but I liked how you were talking about the difference between fog on a mountain uh, on like a curvy mountain road I think the name of the road you said was dead man's curve is that right yes. <laughs> So like the difference between fog on a mountain versus fog in a valley. And I think um, how the same thing can hit differently Mm -hmm. depending on where you are. I think there's something about that, how like um, with a diagnosis, there's like this duality. It is good and bad. It Mm -hmm. is. Um, you hold both things in both hands. And I think with fog, it's like this beautiful thing that as it comes over a moor or something, Mm -hmm. it's just like, I'm in Wuthering
1: Heights, you know?
0: (laughs) Um, But then there's this danger to it as well Mm -hmm. that can't be discarded. It's both
1: things, you know? It is. I think not even just in regards to like being sick and having an illness at times at times it's um I think that there are so many situations that we can be in in our life where we can receive new information and you just get to kind of exist in two separate planes like you said it is that duality it's experiencing something on more than one level and how something can be so good and liberating for you can also be so terrifying.
0: That also sounds a little bit like your experience of gardening. <laughs> <laughs> you hated it. And now you're like, I love dirt so much. It's my favorite thing in the world.
1: It's my favorite thing. That's my favorite thing. <laughs> um, so, so like, huh, jump cut. You are familiar with the spoon theory, correct? Absolutely. Yes.
0: The spoon (laughs) theory is this idea that you start the beginning of each day with like a set number of spoons in your hand and each (laughs) spoon kind of represents energy and what you can give to others and to yourself and to your hopes and your dreams (laughs) and your job. And then as You have, especially when you're a sick person, you have a very limited number of spoons. And sometimes you used up all of your spoons the day before and you actually have no spoons the next day. It's like this whole thing. There's like adding and subtracting spoons. But the idea being that when you're a sick person, you have to be really choosy about how you spend your spoon energy Mm
1: -hmm. because
0: you only have so many And you don't have enough to do everything that you need to do in the day, usually. And especially don't have enough to do everything that you want to do in the day. So yeah, is that a good summary of the spoon? I think maybe what we'll do is we'll put a link about spoon theory in our description and I because I don't know the name of the person who came up with it off the top of my head but I I know I know that a person came up with it it isn't just implanted into the heads of every sick person and we just know
1: okay so whenever um you mentioned your fatigue as you were describing that it I just I understood where you were coming from and it's such an interesting place because to me the spoon theory does a pretty good job explaining to people you know the amount of energy reserves that individuals have when they're battling some sort of chronic condition whatever that may be and I feel like fatigue especially that kind of fatigue is a spoon burglar (laughs) Like how you have the McDonald's ham burglar from years ago. Like, mm-hmm. this is a particular burglar who hunts people with spoons.
0: Not the direction I thought you were <laughs> and- <laughs> He hunts people with spoons as weapons?
1: No, he hunts <laughs> people in possession of spoons or in oh. possession of very specific, limited, chronic condition spoons. Okay. They're like special edition spoons. That he likes to collect, you know, how people okay. go to touristy places and you can get a little spoon. Yeah, absolutely. Have your little wooden box that you hang your spoon in. And then when your <laughs> friends come over to your house, you can go, hey, look at all these places I've been to and collected these spoons. That's right. what he does. But for sick people. Right.
0: You start the day with three spoons. You're like, got to put on my bra. got to brush my teeth and I got to work on these hopes and dreams. Spoon burglar shows up. Snatches all three spoons. You're braless. Your teeth are not brushed. Your hopes and dreams fly out the window. Spoon burglar.
1: Strikes again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. Is there anything for you? And this can be something that was a thing that you experienced as you were at your sickest or you were being diagnosed with... um, your condition or is there something even now that you kind of have going on whenever you were talking about this duality Mm. that really kind of comes to mind for you something that you can particularly relate um with how it affects you in in multiple ways Mm.
0: When I was really, really sick, it's like this terrible thing. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And when good things sprout out of it, it feels like you almost don't want to like them. You don't want them because it feels like it almost justifies the bad thing, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think like being really sick and having to move home. Is like one of the worst things that has ever happened to me for sure. And then, yeah, so many wonderful friendships have happened since. I don't know. It's a little rambly because I think this duality shows up all Um, the time. (laughs) Well,
1: It it really struck me just now. Um, I've always hated the phrase, everything happens for a reason
0: hmm
1: it's always struck me as a little calloused even if it's coming from a great place because in the in a moment of of struggle that's not what you need to hear
0: mm-hmm. and
1: that's certainly not what you want to hear um but there is something to be said about the fact that certain situations um and certain kind of tumultuous events or circumstances can really give you the tools that you need to grow into a stronger, more like interesting and considerate individual.
0: I liked what you said. Um, this was a few weeks ago now, but you, I I was talking about how much I was moved by the image of your mom washing Mm -hmm. your face when you, you just in a state where you can't speak and you can't really, take these actions for yourself Mm -hmm. and you said like yeah it is it's like really it is such like a a wonderful moment of service and love Mm -hmm. and um I also wish I could read about it in a book (laughs) not have to do it it. (laughs) yeah so I think that that's what comes up for me whenever I think about the good things that come out of bad things. It's like, is there any way to separate the two? Like Mm -hmm. I, you don't want to end up justifying bad things. And then I think tying the good things to the bad things can also really diminish your own experience, but also other people's experiences. But I don't know. Yeah. I, I think it is just holding both things in both both hands, but I don't know how to do it. I'm not good at it. I'll tell you that. (laughs) Not good at it. No. Um,
1: (laughs) And especially doing it without guilt.
0: Yeah. I think you brought up in your letter, the idea of letting yourself want things versus letting yourself have them is guilt a factor in, is guilt a barrier between those two steps?
1: Yeah. I would say on a certain level, I'm still trying to figure out why it is I can't quite let myself have the things that I want. And it's so strange because they're not just things that I want, but things that like I work my way towards. And then you get you get to like where it's almost there, it's almost yours. But you still won't let yourself have it. I definitely have a lot of unpacking left in learning just what exactly that is and why there are parts of me that are that way but you know i think that's also just kind of a a big human thing that a lot of us have to work through i feel like it would be really nice if
0: as soon as you identify something like this you're like i'm starting to allow myself to want things but I have mm-hmm. not yet allowed myself to have them as soon mm-hmm. as you recognize something like that then you can just ask why and then like a little like ticker tape mm-hmm. answer like express out of like yes. your temple <laughs> it just comes out and it's like do, 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 do. Yeah. and then you you rip it off and then you read it and it says because in grade three like you <laughs> wanted a pencil sharpener and somebody told you that you were a terrible person
1: <laughs> for wanting that
0: particular pencil sharpener. In.
1: And and then you're able to recognize that and you're able to remind yourself that you were in third grade mm-hmm. and kids are kids and you're allowed to want pencil sharpeners. And then all of a sudden you don't have any emotional baggage anymore.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Wow. I'm so glad I have my ticker tape machine installed in my brain that tells me exactly why I do things. It's incredibly convenient. So convenient. I feel like the fact that I'm talking about ticker tape machines coming out of my temple is a sign that I'm probably hungry and like near the end of my...
1: (laughs) (laughs) You should really have dinner. (laughs) I should have
0: some dinner and like maybe do you want to do the happy good now and then I can go have some sustenance
1: yeah let's happy good yay Enjoy. yay yay <laughs> Do you have a happy good um yeah
0: i took a note earlier and i just wrote happy good bullet point newspaper okay oh get ready my okay. sister's partner ordered me a paper subscription of the new york times on sundays mm-hmm. for christmas and so the past two Sundays I've received a paper version of the New York Times. Now, I've been setting my alarm at 6:30 a.m. because I'm nervous. My family has gotten it into my head that somebody's going to take my paper and they'll just think, "Wow, there's a free copy of the New York Times just sitting there." And so I get up <laughs> at like 6:30 wearing my slippers wearing just like the closest items of clothing I can find Mm -hmm. with one eye closed in the hopes that I can still fall back asleep when I get back into my apartment I'll go down the stairs and I'll get my paper then it's just like wow I'm up in the morning and Mm. like maybe I'll have a hot lemon and like (laughs) read Mm. the
1: news so (laughs) that's my happy good what is your happy good uh what is my happy good um I just had a really good birthday yesterday and I got to eat a cake yes yeah it was um a berry chantilly cake from whole foods okay yeah. Yeah. So I love it. My dad's never had a cake like that before and he is very traditional in his flavors. Like his, his mm-hmm. flavor palette is, you know, it's, it's pretty much like there are five things he enjoys. Okay. <laughs> and, um, uh, this cake was not one of them. <laughs> so okay. I have to kick out of that because uh-huh. it's my birthday. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, yeah no it was just just a good dinner yeah good stuff yeah should
0: should i sing you happy birthday is this like the moment where i sing you happy birthday
1: oh oh jillian <laughs> do you want to sing me happy birthday
0: yeah happy birthday and then we just cut it out of the episode <laughs> <laughs> maybe do i make eye contact with you maybe i'll wear my crown.
1: while i do oh, it okay there we go there we go okay Ready yourself, ready yourself. Okay, I'm gonna pretend that I have like a candle right here. Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Down falls out. Okay, it's hard to keep a paper crown on your head, but I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. (laughs) I believe in you. Okay. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Julian. Happy birthday to you. (laughs) Did you like that? It was a fast version. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, I loved it. It was precious, and and you were in your crown. So I like, that my was, crown. That was such a good gift. Thank you for listening to The Sick Girl Missives.
0: The music you're listening to right now is called Ocean by Mesmerists. We'll be back on the 21st with a new episode. Yeah, we're going to take a little break. You know, it's a hard time for Jillians everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to take a little break, but we'll be back on the 21st. Okay.
1: Love, Love always.
0: always. Yes. I think we're getting better at that. I think we are too. Good job. <laughs>